And I think this, I, I would guess, at least for, for believers, for us in the church, it's probably perhaps the most common, perhaps the biggest roadblock to answered prayer. And it is something we are all tempted by, you and me, every single day, distractions. We are distracted. I mean, is anyone not distracted? Is anyone focused on the Lord every second of every day, 100%? Who can say that? But And yet, we wonder why we don't see answers to prayer when, in fact, if we understand that we, the Christian life is a partnership with God, he wants to actually work with us and partner with us to see answers to prayer. Probably most kinds of prayer involve, okay, Lord, here is the request, but now I'm going to listen, and listening to God takes time because it takes long enough to clear out the clutter from our mind. Now, God, I'm going to listen to you to see how you might use me and involve me and we're partnering with you to see the answer to this prayer come to pass. So then why would we put our request to the Lord and then go our merry way and fill our mind with noise clutter so that we cannot possibly hear what God might say to us that might involve the answer to the prayer? My dad said in this book, the mind is the doorway to the heart. Think about that. If the mind, see, so this is all about heart change. Remember heart health? I mean, it's all, God is after a heart transformation. Well, if the mind is the doorway to our heart, what are we putting in our mind? And I'm not just talking about the bad, obvious stuff that we shouldn't be filling our mind with. There's just noise that we can so clog our thoughts with, even good noise, the constant things going in the background. It can even be good Christian noise. And I'm telling you, if it's too much, it will block you from hearing God's voice. Listen, this is the story of my life. I have had to learn this. I'm not up here saying, be like me. I'm saying, no, learn from me. Every, I have had to learn to cultivate listening to God via silence. It's the only way. Every, every direction, every instruction, every inspiration, every bright idea, every vision I have ever received from the Lord in my life has absolutely 100% come through silent listening. I can't say that I've ever got a big word of direction, thus saith the Lord, this is what I want you to do, while I had noise going. Never happened. I mean, if it did, it's rare. And yes, yes, God can speak absolutely. Don't get me wrong. He can speak through voices. He can. He can speak through exterior voices and, and uh, exterior messages, but we have to cultivate silent listening to hear directly from him. It's that still small voice. There's a story in 1 Kings 19. You can read it later, but you can jot it down. 1 Kings 19 is when some of you may be familiar with this. When um, 
Elisha, Elijah, was running from Jezebel because she was going to kill him. So he's running for his life. He's terrified. He hides out in this cave. And God comes to speak to him and tell him what to do. But first, God sent a strong wind, like a hurricane. Then God sent an earthquake. And then a great fire. It must have been like a wildfire. And each one of those events, it says God was not in the wind. His voice was not in the earthquake. And his voice was not in the fire. And then it says there was a still small voice. And Elijah came to the entrance of the cave and he said, okay, I can hear you. I'm listening. Why did God bother to do all the big stuff? Did you ever think of that? Like, why didn't God just skip the big noise? Skip the clutter. Skip the blaring radio. Skip the FLN. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, why didn't God skip all the big noise and just come straight at him with a still small voice right away? I wonder if God was creating a contrast to show him, I'm not in the noise. You're not going to hear me if you clutter your mind with so much noise. Distractions and a lack of focus will hinder us from hearing what our part may be in an answer to prayer or the answer to prayer itself. Distractions will hinder us from having time to pray, knowing how to pray, and hearing the answer. i read that again. Distractions will hinder us from having time to pray, knowing how to pray, and hearing the answer. I decided recently, like I said, I'm learning right around, along with you. You know that. I always am. We're in this together. Recently, I decided I'd listen to an audiobook series. Over 100 hours this series would have cost me in listening time. So I started listening, got through the first couple books on audiobook. And it was, of course, you get, you get sucked into a book, a good book, right? It was taking up every last second of, of my free time. When I wasn't talking to someone or meeting with someone, I was listening to this book. <laughs> and all of a sudden, and I don't do this. <laughs> it was just something I decided to do because, you know, everyone's read this book. I need to read this book, but I'll, I'll listen to it. And it was as if God, that still small voice, came as a tap on my shoulder one day. And it was as if God said, um, <clears throat> what are you doing? What are you doing? I, I thought we were in relationship. I thought you wanted to hear me. I thought you were looking for answers. I thought you needed direction. I thought you needed instruction. I thought we had this deal where you listen, I speak. And I realized I have absolutely booked up every minute of my time with this noise. And then I'm going to wonder why I don't hear God's answer to prayer. I stopped. I stopped. Is it a sin to listen to an audiobook? No, I'm not saying that. Was it God's will for my life? No. And I knew the problem and I knew why it was a problem. It was a distraction. Now, if I go on a long road trip or if I go on vacation, yeah, I'm probably going to do that. But see, we have to hear from God in this moment of my life. How am I using my time? And I, am, I is, am I setting up for myself a roadblock? to answered prayer? 
by this thing that I'm allowing to be a distraction in my life. For me, it, for me, it was a book. It's probably always going to be a book. For you, it could be something. It could be, it could be a hobby. It could be a relationship. It could be, it could be something that's cluttering up your life, and you're so hyper-focused on it that you cannot possibly hear God's voice because all this stuff's in the way. Number four, fourth roadblock to answered prayer is plain old ignorance. It, that is ignorance of biblical truth. That is not knowing what is available to us from God. So, so many people, even people in the church, have no idea what is available to them in God. And so... They, they continue on through their Christian life, never growing, remaining tiny little lambs who are, who are dependent on a human shepherd to constantly feed them and be the one to be God's voice to them. And it's like God has so much more. He has so much for you, so much truth and wisdom and power and authority in Jesus available to you. But people are ignorant of it because... First of all, they don't get it right here, and they're distracted, so they don't get it right here and right here. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. How sad. How sad that it could actually be a lack of knowledge that would actually destroy someone's life. So preventable. So tragic. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says this. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That is powerful. That is saying that there are people who have no idea what the things are that God has prepared for them. But look at what the next verse says, 1 Corinthians 2.10. But... God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Verse 12, let's skip into verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Show me someone who is discouraged over unanswered prayer, and I will show you someone who does not know what has been given to them by God. Doesn't know the power he wants you to walk in, the authority that he has for you to walk in, the peace, the joy, the promises of God, does not know what is available to them in God. It's ignorance. How sad that something as simple as not knowing what God is handing you on a silver platter that 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 not knowing about that could be the thing that's hindering you from seeing answered prayer in your life but it says this it's the spirit from god that we have is he's the one who shows us and tells us the things that have been freely given to us by god Here's one of the things, just one of the things, just one of the many promises. And here I didn't write this down. I didn't write down the reference. I, I don't know why I'd do that. 
Um, but it, Jesus said, most, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. This is directed toward the person who wants God's will. Therefore, they're going to ask for what God also wants. Okay, so we have, we have uh, willful disobe disobedience, hardness of heart, distractions, ignorance of what is available to us. And number five, number five roadblock to answered prayer is this. It is praying against the will or the timing of God. Asking for something he doesn't want you to have for a good reason. It's essentially praying, my will be done, not thy will be done. And you know, it's not like we consciously set out to do this, church, right? Like we don't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to ask for the dumbest thing that I know God doesn't want me to have, but if I nag him enough, maybe he'll I'll twist his. We don't do, we don't realize half the time, I think, that we're asking for something that God in his wisdom knows is not the best thing for us. That's the reason for number three. We, if we're not distracted, we can hear how to pray. But a distracted person who never listens to, from God, never hears how to pray, will end up asking for the wrong thing. 1 John 5.14 says, now this is the, I just prayed this scripture with Mary this morning about a specific request. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So there you go. You ask according to his will. How do you know what his will is? You listen. You clean your life of distractions so that you can hear what his will is. By the way, that's where praying in the spirit, as we've talked about, praying in that heavenly language really comes in handy because sometimes I don't know how to pray. It's very powerful. James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. You ever had your kid ask you for something that's like, no? Your answer is like, uh, no. <laughs> Kids do that. They think they know what they want. Sometimes we think we know what we want. We think we know what we need. And God knows otherwise, and that's why sometimes our prayers go unanswered. But sometimes God does. Here's the thing. Here's the sobering, scary thought. Just like a, a, a mother that's so tired of the whining and finally gives in because she doesn't want to hear it anymore. I mean, I'm, I, I, it's not that, that I'm comparing God to that, but the principle is the same because God has given us a free will. There are instances in Scripture where God did finally say, okay, all right, this is not what I want for you, but you 
keep asking for it, so I'm going to show you what your will will end up creating. It happens in Scripture. Israel asked God for a king. He said, I'm telling you, you don't want a king. I would be your king. If you have a king like all the other nations, that king, those kings are going to oppress you. They're going to make slaves of you. They're going to draft your sons. They're going to put your daughters to hard labor. They're going to tax you heavily. He warned them. They said, no, we want to be like everybody else. So he, he gave them kings. Century after century of that thing that God said was going to happen. There's a place in the Psalms where it says, he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. He's talking about when the Israelites were in the wilderness and God was feeding them manna every day. It was perfect food. The Bible calls it angel's food. Had every nutrient they needed. It was the perfect food. They got bored of it. They complained and whined and begged for meat. So God made them meat, and it literally made them sick. It's an awful story. But it just shows that <laughs> we need to be careful what we ask for. Um, you know, here's a good prayer to pray. When you're not sure if something is God's will or not, this is what I do sometimes. I did this when I was praying about that man sitting back there when I was in Bible school. It's like, well, here's this really nice man. I really like him, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know everything. Maybe there's something about him I don't know, you know? I, and so I would pray, God, shut the door. If he is not your will for me, shut that door so tight that I wouldn't be able to get through it. And you can pray that for a job. You can pray it for all kinds of things if you don't know what God's will is. God, I want your will more than anything else in my life. So if you do not want me to have this thing, this job, this career, if you don't want me to go in this direction, have this person in my life, please shut this door so tight and in your mercy, strap me down if you have to, but make it so that I cannot open that door. He loves you. He will answer that prayer. He will answer that prayer. Number six. This is one where I could make an entire sermon series out of. And it may hit hard. It may be hard to hear. It's not popular. I think people might bristle at the notion that this could be in this list of seven roadblocks to answer prayer, but here it is, and it's scriptural. Not connected to the body of Christ. Do you think that could actually hinder prayer from being answered? Attempting to live the Christian life in isolation, not dependent on the body of Christ, on the family of God. This is my passion. This is my passion. I'll tell you what, you're, you're hearing from someone, I've been through the church ringer. If anyone ever had reason to throw in the towel, the church towel, that's, I could write the book, and I probably will eventually. <laughs> so I'm not, I mean, I know church hurt. I know it. You have no idea. But I stayed with it. Because the church is Jesus' bride. That's what he calls her. And how does Jesus feel about his bride? 
how does Jesus feel about his bride? And I'm guessing he probably wants us to feel the same way about his bride that he does. It's very precious to him. He loves this bride that he is preparing called the church. It's very, very precious to him. No, she's far from, she's not perfect, far from perfect, but his word says that he's cleansing and washing her with the water of the word. He's making a bride that is without spot and without blemish. And far be it from you, to, you and me to allow the blemishes and the spots to make us disillusioned against the bride of Christ and throw her away and act as though we don't need her. God speaks through the body, through his church, the body of Christ. He's the head. We are the body. And so can it actually hinder our prayers? Yes, I believe so. So let me give you scripture for that. Um, in uh, 2 Chronicles 6, you can look at this later for the sake of time, but you can jot it down. In 2 Chronicles 6, Solomon is dedicating the temple that he has just built. And he says this, Lord, when people come into this place and when they pray toward this temple, hear and answer their prayers. Okay, that's Old Testament. There was a literal physical temple. You ever, we, hear, we speak of the temple mount. Where is that today? It's in Jerusalem. What is that mount have you ever heard of Mount Zion? In the Old Testament, it means all these things. Mount Zion in Scripture has been associated with the mount where the temple is. It's been associated with God's dwelling place in Jerusalem. It's been associated with, it, with a whole outlying area there where the temple is. Mount Zion, the dwelling place of the Lord, the, the city of Jerusalem. And yet, when you get to Hebrews 12, there's another layer of meaning. There's another layer of meaning where the writer of Hebrews reveals to us how Mount Zion is fulfilled. And it says this, and I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation because it's a lot easier to grasp. I'm reading from Hebrews 12, verse 22. Keep in mind, Mount Zion. Keep in mind, now keep in mind Solomon saying, Lord, when people pray toward this place, Mount Zion, the holy mount, the temple. When people pray toward this place, hear, your, hear their prayers and answer them. So what does Hebrews say in, in, in chapter 12, verse 22 in the New Living Translation? We have that? You have come to Mount Zion. Now listen to the definition. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Verse 23, you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children. Firstborn is, is metaphorical. It speaks of the, the right of the firstborn, like God, God's blessing is on all of us. We are like the, the ancient firstborn children that get the blessing of the firstborn. That's what that means. Whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. In other words, what is Mount Zion for us today? 
Yes, there's a literal Mount Zion. Yes, there will be Revela the book of Revelation fulfilled in that literal place. But what is the, the, the deeper layer of meaning? What is the fulfillment of Mount Zion for us today? It's the assembly, very clearly. It's the assembly of God's children whose names are written in heaven. And it goes on to say right after that, see that you do not refuse him who speaks from that mountain. How does God speak? He speaks through his people. He speaks through us. He speaks through each other. We cannot live the Christian life, life and expect to ever hear God's voice in isolation away from God's people. So if you want God's blessing, if you want answers to prayer, stay in relationship with the body of Christ. It is vital to your Christian walk. Revelation 21 speaks of a bride adorned for her groom, and it refers to that as the new Jerusalem. It's the church. If you've ever been in, if you have ever experienced the pain and heartache of having someone love your spouse and reject you, it's not fun. It hurts because it's like we're a package deal. <laughs> we're a package deal, right? We're one. If you know what that feels like, I wonder if that's what it feels like in God's heart. When we reject the bride, the spouse, while we say we love him. Here's a thought. The church is the only physical representation of Jesus Christ on the earth today. If Jesus were here on the earth today, you think people would be flocking to see him? You think people would buy tickets to that show? How crowded do you think the, the venue would be if Jesus himself in the flesh were somewhere to speak? You think people would be flocking like they did to Asbury to go hear Jesus? Of course they would. Gee, the church is the only physical representation of Jesus Christ on the earth today. It's why we call it his body, his body. We need each other. One final thought on that. Some of you may be familiar with Ephesians 6 where it lists the armor, put on the full armor of God, and, and, and it's the, the belt of, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. It lists all these parts of armor, and right in there, right in context, and this is the part you never hear on this teaching about the armor. It says, while you're doing that, putting on the armor, what should you be doing? Praying always for all the saints. For all the saints! And we thought we were gearing up on that, with that armor just to pray for what? Ourselves and our own needs, yes, you should, but it says praying for all the saints. Wow. Okay. The body of Christ is precious. How does Jesus feel about his bride? Does he have things to say through her and to her? Yes. Value her. Finally, one last point. I'm going to close this. We made it. Last point. Number seven. Number seven roadblock to answered prayer is giving up too soon. I, my dad works with inmates, and I, I remember I've probably shared this before. Uh, this guy, inmate, came to my dad and said, I, I'm done. I've given up on God. My dad said, why? 
And he said, he didn't come through for me. My dad said, that's because you gave up. I want to read you something, passage from this book, Giving Up Too Soon. If God doesn't answer when the above conditions have been met, that's point one through six that we've just gone through, his delay is our opportunity to develop faith. If we get discouraged by his silence, it only means our faith is too weak. If God answered your prayer instantly every single time, you would never know it if you had weak faith. You'd never know it. And your faith would never grow. Delays are the opportunity for our faith to grow and to find out in the first place that our faith is weak. Occasionally someone asks me whether it's wrong to keep praying about the same thing or should we pray once and then believe it's done. The answer has to do with faith. Because prayer is the exercise of faith, and it's faith that moves God. So pray until you genuinely believe God has heard, and then continue to thank God and anticipate the answer. Don't give up too soon. Don't ever give up. There's two parables uh, Jesus gave in the New Testament. Um, one is in Luke 11. Uh, Jesus said, uh, starting with verse 5, Luke 11, 5, it says, he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, I'm reading in um, Luke 11, verse 7, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. And in the, in the Greek, in the original Greek, the verb tense is keep on asking. Keep on seeking. It's not ask once. Knock. Keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking without giving up receives. And he who keeps on seeking without stopping finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be open. One more parable, and then I'm going to close. There's another parable uh, along these same lines, of another parable Jesus gave to speak of not giving up, and that was um, Luke 18, starting with verse 1. He spoke a parable to them, Luke 18, 1, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. See, that's what happens is we lose heart, saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God, who is a very just judge, 
who is not wearied by our continual coming to him, shall he not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Why day and night? Because they're not distracted. Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And closing, are you waiting for an answer to prayer? We just close our eyes for a minute as we close. Just going to put these questions to you. This is a, a, a time for a little heart exam this morning as we close. What might be the reason for an unanswered prayer in your life? Is it unconfessed sin? Is it unforgiveness toward someone? Is it a hardness of heart toward God? Is it distraction, something as simple as the busyness of distraction and never slowing down enough to hear his voice? Is it ignorance of what is in this word that tells you what is available to you? Is it praying, um, is it asking amiss? Asking for something that may not be God's will for your life. Is it not valuing the body of Christ and cherishing the people he has placed you in community with? Or is it simply giving up too soon? Father God, will you help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Help each one of us, Lord, to see the roadblocks in our lives that are hindering answers to prayer. We know you love to answer prayer. We know that. You love to listen to and answer our prayers. So, Father, will you show us those roadblocks? Show us what it is in each of our lives that is keeping us from getting the answers to the prayers you so love to answer. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen.